We can never love our kids too much when we love them in the right way. And the right way is when we love them in a way that's congruent with God's ecosystem. But God's ecosystem seems to have gotten distorted in recent decades. So today we'll be discussing some of the fundamentals of God's parenting ecosystem by diving into His parenting playbook, the Bible. And we'll be doing that with the help of psychologist John Rosemond and his latest book, The Bible Parenting Code, Revealing God's Perfect Plan for Parenting. This is Licensed to Parent. Hi, I'm glad you've joined us for another episode of Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherds Hill Academy. Shepherds Hill is a year-long Christ-centered residential program for teens in crisis. Our host is Trace Embry. He's the founder and executive director of Shepherds Hill and the author of The Miracles of Shepherds Hill. I'm Michelle Hill. Our goal on Licensed to Parent is to take what we're learning each day at Shepherd's Hill and share it with you so that you can be better prepared to raise your kids in a way that honors God. You know, Trace, I wasn't here last year when you and John were discussing his latest book, The Bible Parenting Code. But since then, you've had a chance to thoroughly digest The Bible Parenting Code, and you've given it an even greater thumbs up than when you scanned it last year. In fact, I think I see you with two thumbs up right now. <laughs> what what did you find that brought you to an even greater appreciation of this book? Yeah, uh, well, first of all, let me say this. Uh, not only did I come to a greater appreciation of the book, but I also came to a greater appreciation of John Rosemond uh, mm-hmm. as being a man of conviction and character. And uh, that's certainly not to say that, you know, I didn't respect or appreciate him before because... I think he knows I did. But in this book, John challenges a few things that I've always questioned too, but I've never really made much of a stink about it because it came from well-seasoned parenting aficionados who, quite frankly, almost nobody would dare question. Plus, I had other things to do. But <laughs> the book goes into many things that I think too many young parents have been sold a bill of goods about, things that are so fundamental to raising kids that's unthinkable to, to my generation anyway that uh, they can be so hidden in plain sight. John addresses a lot of these things. I think that so much of the problem is that uh, too many parents today have simply bought into a lot of false premises. We talk about that a lot, many of which have been promulgated by the secular mental health industrial complex. Yet, arguably, the greater problem is that so many Christian mental health professionals have bought into them first. And consequently, they've bought into many of the same false and dangerous conclusions that secular mental health has been peddling. Mm. And like we always say, uh, both here on Licensed Apparent and at Shepherd's Hill Academy, you know, when you buy into a false premise, the rest of any story can actually begin to make sense. For instance, when a kid claims to be a cat and the right school administrators believe that uh, that's a valid premise, Well, that's when you start seeing litter boxes in different public schools around the nation. It's complete and utter madness. Hopefully, we can bring some uh, sanity back to the equation with today's discussion. Well, I love sanity. Our guest today is no stranger to Licensed to Parent. John Rosemond has worked with families, children, and parents since 1971. He's in the field of psychology. John is a writer and speaker. John's work is syndicated on a couple hundred newspapers nationwide. He has written over 20 best-selling parenting books, and he is also one of America's most popular speakers in the field of parenting. 
John and his wife live in North Carolina. And like me, one of John's favorite grocery stores is Trader Joe's. Well, John, welcome back to Licensed to Parent. I cannot believe it's been a year since you've been on here. Boy, has it been that long? I tell you, when you're my age, time flies. And, uh, <laughs> but your your short-term memory also dies as time flies. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I, I remember the last time I was on. I just didn't realize it was a year ago. Yeah. Crazy. Okay. Thanks so for I, having me back. Yeah, well, thanks for being, like I said, heard with us. Uh, I've been touting this book as, as, a, as a must read for parents of all ages who've got kids of all ages. I've even made it mandatory reading for all Shepherd's Hill Academy field staff. Uh, yet, since the world has gone absolutely nuttier than squirrel dung, I'm not 100% sure that the Bible Parenting Code will be properly understood, appreciated, or or accepted as it should, especially by, by, by parents under 35, because so much of it flies in the face of what's been hailed as state-of-the-art in the so-called parenting expert circles for decades now. Please tell me I'm wrong, and what, what's been your experience? Well, you know me, Trace. I'm a, I'm a psychologist by license and education and uh, practice um, for many years, but I don't believe in psychology. I think it's a fake science, a bogus science. Um, and it's, it's, the, it's a science that has even hoodwinked its practitioners into believing they're actually contributing to the public good when there's no statistical evidence to the effect that psychology has been a force for good in the world. And um, there's every bit of evidence that since we began in America relying on psychological advice uh, from people in the mental health professions to guide the raising of children in this country, that... Uh, Things have gone, as my mother used to say, it, it, it is a biblical word, by the way, so I will use it to hell in a handbasket. The um, mental health of children today is, and this is verifiable, is statistically 10 times worse than it was in the 1950s when the parenting expert was your child's, child's grandmother, right? Uh, who might not have had a fifth grade education. And uh, I mean, we've been a wrecking ball in the American family, we've been a wrecking ball in uh, child rearing. And so, yeah, you're right, Trace, uh, that, that uh, I, I'm, my, my stuff flies in the face of um, what is considered to be, you know, the, uh, the gospel. It's a false gospel, but it's considered to be the gospel in Childering today. Well, you see that. I see that. I think uh, most people who still have an ounce of common sense see it. Why then are, are there still so many people who swear by it, many of them Christians? Well, because the marketing of psychology has been very effective. Mm -hmm. And the marketing mm -hmm. of the psychological parenting paradigm, um, which I call postmodern psychological parenting has been very, very effective. And um, the reason for its effectiveness uh, is, is because the new paradigm, the psychological paradigm, emphasizes the importance of properly understanding and properly responding to your child's feelings. Mm -hmm. And uh, that for the benefit of our audience, 
was not a consideration in the 1950s. Mm. And one might say on that basis, oh, that's terrible. They didn't care about children's feelings. Well, I mean, they cared about legitimate children's feelings, legit, children's legitimate feelings, but they didn't care about any and every feeling that children had because children's feelings are random and irrational. Right. And, and uh, so, no, uh, people my age will tell you uh, they don't, do not remember conversations with their parents about their feelings. But this new emphasis on feelings appeal to women mm. for obvious reasons, I hope. Largely. I don't have to explain that. Yeah. You got to first define a woman today, though. <laughs> but, but, but isn't this, isn't uh, this, didn't postmodern thought of the 60s kind of, wasn't that the, kind of the precursor and, and the perfect intersection for uh, modern uh, uh secular mental health to truly thrive. You had to buy into the idea that feelings, uh, you know, trumped logic uh, in order to really buy into this thing. So I think the, the hippie movement kind of uh, ushered this in in a big way, don't you think? Uh, I, well, it was, uh, it was two forces. It was uh, relativism and it was progressivism that ushered this in. Mm. And um, we did something in the late 60s and early 70s, Trace, that no culture had ever done before. And that was that in the span of about five years, we, we agreed as a culture to totally change our understanding and approach to the raising of children. Right. Uh, and, and, um, we did this at the behest of mental health professionals, people like me. And I'm very familiar with this because I became a parent in 1969 at the age of 20, and um, my wife was 19, and I was in graduate school, and I was swept up in this paradigm shift, and it was a personal disaster, mm -hmm. and uh, w which we recovered from, uh, and I'll tell you that story if you'd like it in a nutshell, but um, it was our recovery as a family from that disaster, the disaster of me buying into my profession's propaganda that really turned my head around and put me on a whole different track when it came to my counseling with parents. Our guest on Licensed to Parent today is John Rosemond. John's latest book is The Bible Parenting Code, Revealing God's Perfect Parenting Plan. Trace Embry, John, and I will be back right after this. Shepherds Hill Academy, a year-long Christ-centered residential program for teens in crisis, is celebrating 20 years of ministry. There have been many distractions in our work through the years as a result of a four-lane highway that divided our land. As a result, plans are underway to develop a whole new campus designed to improve our students' therapeutic experience away from the highway noise, along with up-to-date infrastructure and staff offices, all to help smooth out the day-to-day -day operations. 
The five-year, two-phase plan will begin with a new dining hall, followed by two new school buildings, also containing a new studio for licensed to parent. Please consider partnering with us, building together a new and improved Shepherd's Hill Academy. Learn more and make your gift today. Shepherdshillacademy.org slash building together. That's shepherdshillacademy.org slash building together. And thanks for helping us provide healing to teens in crisis. Hi folks, Trace Embry here, host of the Licensed to Parent broadcast and founder of Shepherd's Hill Academy. We've all heard about modern day miracles, mostly from mission fields. Frankly, I believed about half of them and experienced none of them until about 30 years ago. Christ truly became the Lord of my life. The Miracles of Shepherd's Hill is a book that wasn't written as much as it was recorded. It's the true story of how God used a handshake, my family's last $200, and our 30-year odyssey of bumper-to-bumper miracles to acquire a 60-acre farm that was used by the devil and turned it into a 250-acre globally recognized healing ministry for God. I want all people to know that Jesus Christ is still in the miracle-working business for those submitted to His word, will, and way, and who properly understand what faith truly is. The Miracles of Shepherd's Hill, an extraordinary odyssey of divine interventions by Trace Embry. Learn more at LicensedToParent.org. Welcome back to Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherd's Hill Academy. Shepherd's Hill is a nature-based therapy program for teens in crisis. And today we are helping you think through parenting, and mental health. Our guest is John Rosemond. You can connect with John at his website, rosemond.com. And John, before the break, you were talking about this aha moment, this, this moment when all of a sudden things started clicking for you in what was going on in mental health. Can you explain that to us? Yeah, well, um, I, I bought in as a graduate student to the, um, the entirety of the fake science of psychology, which I am licensed in by the state of North Carolina. And um, uh, had my, my wife and I got married when we were very young, and we had our first child when I was 20 and she was 19, and I was in graduate school, and I was bringing home all of these um, new ideas that my professors were solidly behind. Mm. And um, we started parenting our son, Eric, in a manner that was completely different from the manner in which we ourselves had been raised. And we had been convinced that, you know, everything had to go. This was the brave new world. If it was more than 30 years old, a generation old, it was no good anymore. And so we embraced this new parenting paradigm and marched uh, bravely forward. Ten years later, we were sitting in Eric's third grade classroom after school talking with his third grade teacher, Mrs. Stewart. And this was uh, January of 1979. Eric had just turned 10. And Mrs. Stewart told us that Eric shouldn't have been promoted to the third grade. And she was letting us know now, January, that he was not, definitely not, 
going to be promoted to the fourth grade. She was going to keep him another year because she was the only teacher in the school who could deal with a child like him. And I'm sitting there, I'm a licensed psychologist, and I'm sitting there and I'm going, what in the world is going on here? Yeah. It was like surrealistic. Mm-hmm. And um, she said, uh, uh, Eric came to me reading a year behind grade level. He's now reading a year and a half below grade level. I mean, here's the way Mrs. Stewart was. I felt like I was back in the principal's office. I was in the fourth grade. And, I mean, she was that intimidating. She was that professional. And um, she said he has made no progress in reading this entire first half of the year. And Mr. and Mrs. Roseman, I know how to teach children to read. I've been teaching children to read for 20 years. But don't think for a minute that the problem is me. The problem is your son. I can't teach a child who won't pay attention and do what he's told. And I need to come straight to the point with you, she said. He is the worst behaved child I've seen in 20 <laughs> years of teaching. Forgive me for that. Now, to put this into context... My newspaper column was syndicated in 1978. This is a year and a half later. My newspaper column is appearing in 750 newspapers. It was an instant smash. And I'm telling people all over America how to raise children. And my son is the worst behaved child that a straightforward, professional third grade teacher has seen in 20 years of teaching. This reminds me of what G.K. Chesterton once said. He said, before you tear down a fence, find out why it was put up to begin with. Well, there are no fences in progressivism. By its very nature, progressivism Mm -hmm. recognizes no fences. What was your first step upon realizing what was going on? What did you do after the teacher had said this to you about Eric? Well, my wife's name is Willie. It's really Wilma, but because of the Flintstones, I renamed her. (laughs) Um, And uh, we talked about this for nothing but three days. How How did it happen that two intelligent, responsible people have raised one of the most ill-behaved child? Uh, Eric was the most ill-behaved child we'd ever seen. Mm. And now we get verification from the third grade teacher, and it was like, The walls of denial that we had built in our heads just came crumbling down. Mm. And we talked about this for three days, and it was Willie who finally said, well, you know, you brought home these ideas from school. And I went along with this because I'd only had one year of college. And who was I to challenge your professors? But don't you think, I remember her words exactly. She said, don't you think? that if we had raised our children the way we ourselves had been raised, that this wouldn't be happening. Mm. And it was like being kicked upside the head by a mule, as we say in the South. Mm. And Willie and I just dedicated ourselves to that point, to uh, replicating our own upbringing when it came to our kids. So anyway, we sit down with Eric and I said, uh, I told Eric, word for word, what uh, Mrs. Stewart had said. And I said, she says you're not going to the fourth grade. And I said it like that. And he looked at me and he said, I'm not going to the fourth grade. I said, I didn't say that, Eric. I said, Mrs. Stewart says 
you're not going to the fourth grade. He said, well, what's the difference? And I mean, he was as agitated as I've ever seen him. And uh, I said, well, the difference is you have February, March, April, and May to convince Mrs. Stewart that you can be a responsible fourth grade student. And here's how mom and I are going to help you. We're not. Mm. We're not ever again going to ask you if you have homework. We're not ever again going to check your homework. We're not ever again going to come up to your room to see that you're doing it. We're not going to ask you what was your homework. We're not going to ask you anything about homework ever again. And furthermore, we're not giving you any help concerning your homework ever again. None, zero. Interesting. Don't come and ask us for a definition. Don't ask us to explain a direction. Don't ask us to show you how to do a problem. Don't ask us anything concerning homework because we are, from this point on, out of the homework business. My parents had never helped me with homework. And uh, my parents had never asked me if I had homework. Mm. And yet I was a straight-A student. Mm. And uh, Eric, Eric said, uh, Dad, how am I going to get to the fourth grade if you guys don't help me? And I said, well, that's a good question. I said, the answer, and you won't understand it until you're an adult, if you look back on this conversation, the answer to your question is, if mom and I have to help you get to the fourth grade, you shouldn't be there. And Trace, three months later, the same teacher told us she had witnessed a miracle. <laughs> she said he was now reading at grade level, and he was the best behaved child she had ever encountered. From that point on, he made straight A's in school. Now, in your book, you say, I, I quote uh, now, imperfect human beings will do a far better job of raising children if they rely on God's perfect parenting plan than if they rely on advice and guidance provided by other imperfect human beings. Now, that statement implies that the Word of God, the Bible, or the Spirit of God are truly perfect. But whether we find our ultimate point of reference for raising kids from God, psychology, friends, or you know, our own parents, we're doing so by faith. How does a parent transfer that faith from the imperfect DSM, the Diagnostic Statistical Manual, and the people who are, who are you know, promoting it, and the imperfect people who, who wrote it, to the imperfect people who penned the Bible? Well, the people who penned the Bible trace were imperfect, but God's Word is perfect. I mean, God didn't allow them to write down imperfect stuff. So word for word, the Bible is perfect. I don't know that I understood your question. Uh, uh, the DSM uh, is a book of bogus diagnoses. And for the benefit of our listeners, the DSM is the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. And in it, is contained the diagnostic criteria for every psychiatric diagnosis. Which changes regularly. Well, they change, yeah, to some degree with every revision. Right. Updated, they say. Yeah, and, and my point is, is that a lot of kids and parents uh, will say that, you know, well, you know, yeah, it was written by imperfect people, but so was the Bible written by imperfect people. And my point is, how do we convince the unbeliever that they should put their faith in the Bible, which we believe is a perfect, inerrant document? How do they transfer their faith into 
man's DSM with God's DSM, so to speak? Well, I was asked that question recently. I was asked by a pastor in front of his congregation if uh, you were to attempt to persuade an atheist of the truth of the Bible, where would you begin? And I said I would begin with the description that God gives in Genesis chapter 1 of the Big Bang. And God said, let there be light, and there was light which is as clear a description of the Big Bang, which is a fact, it's no longer theory, as is possible. And the very next line, it's like God is announcing himself to people of the 20th and 21st centuries. The very next line says, and God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. That's very interesting because the sun and the moon were not created until day four. Right. So in this context, what is light and darkness, day and night? What are they referring to? Astrophysicists know that the first phenomenon to occur in the first second of the Big Bang was the separation of light, matter, from dark matter, the seen, now listen to this, the seen from the unseen, which Paul refers to numerous times, the unseen. And we know he says that the unseen is eternal. Yeah, the spiritual realm. And dark matter, according to astrophysicists, has not decayed one iota since the bang. It is a startlingly congruent uh, uh, scripture that is completely congruent with recent astrophysical fact. And I said to the pastor, that's where I'd begin, and I'd ask the atheist, how can you deny in the face of this the truthfulness of scripture? John, thank you so much for being our guest here on Licensed to Parent today. Not my pleasure. Can we invite you back again next week? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> yep, I've got time. Great. Awesome. Well, our guest today on Licensed to Parent has been John Rosemond. You can connect with John at rosemond.com. We've been talking with John today about his latest book, The Bible Parenting Code, Revealing God's Perfect Plan for Parenting, which you can find at rosemond.com. Thanks for listening today to Licensed to Parent. Licensed to Parent is an extension of Shepherd's Hill Academy, our year-long Christ-centered, wilderness-based residential program for troubled teens. If your teen is in trouble, we want to help you. Contact us through our website, licensedtoparent.org, and see how we can assist you and your child. At Shepherd's Hill, we still have construction going on. Earlier this fall, we put a roof on and insulation in in our much-needed new dining hall. We are well on our way to expanding our campus thanks to generous donors like you. Your gift to Shepherd's Hill is bringing hope and healing to families in crisis. You can always give securely online by clicking the Donate button at the top of the page when you visit LicensedToParent.org. Another way you can support us is by getting Trace's book, The Miracles of Shepherd's Hill, An Extraordinary Odyssey of Divine Interventions. 
It's an account of all the bumper-to-bumper miracles to acquire a 60-acre farm that was used by the devil and turn it into a 250-acre globally recognized healing ministry for God. The way it's written, the book can be used as an apologetic or evangelical tool so that readers will know that Jesus is still in the miracle working business. If you'd like a copy for yourself or to get a few for Christmas gifts, it's a great idea. Simply go to licensedtoparent.org and scroll down to the book on the right-hand column. That's licensedtoparent.org. Thanks to our team for making today possible. Daniel Fazina helps with guest relations. Our producer is Rich Rosel. Carl Peets is our technical producer. For Trace Embry, I'm Michelle Hill, inviting you to join us again next time to renew your license to parent. And remember, folks, if you don't train your children, somebody else will. God bless you. See you next time.